0: Welcome to the Sharing Life Ministries Sermon of the Week. We hope that you were blessed by this message from Pastor Susan Romali. Holy Spirit, we ask you this morning that you would pour out, pour out. Let there be nothing left of us as we walk out of here today, but let us be filled up to completion, to overflow with you. God, then we would have something to offer the earth. Amen? (laughs) Just fill me this morning, Lord. Let the word come come out crystal clear, God. Crystal clear, God. Let it pierce uh, bone and marrow, spirit and soul. Let Let it accomplish what it's being sent to accomplish, God. May we be groomed, transformed by it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Thanks for making my dreams come true this morning. I love it when the Holy Ghost breaks out. That's what we've been waiting for. The Spirit-empowered church should have the Spirit of God running through it all the time. Amen? There should always be a move of God taking place. And i tell you, thanks for being here, folks. Wonderful, wonderful. It was cold this morning, was it not? But it hadn't taken much. I'm sweating. Amen? Amen? You get the Holy Spirit rolling, and it's sweating. Yeah. Yeah. So two weeks ago when we were here, I was teaching on fasting. It's the top of the year, and it is one thing that we want to bring into our fellowship. It's one thing we want to be certain. It is a spiritual discipline of the kingdom of God. It's important to know about it. And I actually learned something about fasting through this time, so I'm excited to share that with you. Um, And I've been fasting for 20 years, I'm sure, so it's good for an old dog to learn a new trick. Amen? But as we teach, as I teach on fasting today, um, it's, it I am excited about it because it is a spiritual discipline and it is part of discipleship. And if there's anything that Pastor Larry and I have been called to, it is discipleship. And he and I have not fasted yet together, so that will be fun. But. In my previous marriage, Barry and I grew up in the church learning through the church how to fast. We would fast as the church called a fast. But then it got to be where we caught on to what the Spirit was doing and we were growing from our fast. So Barry and I would call ourselves as the Holy Spirit led into that place of fasting. And I would encourage you join the church as we begin to fast in March and come in as a corporate body and do such a thing. But know that God. God will set aside times for you in your personal life to fast, and that's important to know, and it's important to grow up into it because there's things that God will do in fasting that he can't do and won't do any other time because you're opening yourself up. You're making room for God to work. It's almost like an invitation where you open the gate and say, Come on in, God. Come on in. And he is willing and waiting to step in. Um, One of the things I love about teaching on fasting as well is it's the vision of of Sharing Life Ministries. Our vision in Sharing Life Ministries is to help others to know and grow in Jesus Christ. And the way we've looked at the, the Life Center when God gave us this building, it's kind of interesting because we received the building through three supernatural healings. I prayed for three different people, and they were all supernaturally healed by the power of God. And when it came time to receive the building, they gave us the building because of that move of God. And when it came time to take on the building and really know what to do with it, um, I really wanted to name it the Healing Center. The Healing Center, because it came through three healings. And that was really my heart this morning, was really, you can look at a person and see them suffer for so long. And then it's time to stand up and take a hold of the healing that God promises. And that's what I really felt that God wanted to do here this morning. So I'm believing Larry's going to walk into that healing. He's just going to walk into it, quit looking for the pain, quit looking for what was, and walk into the new and and walk into that healing. So I really believe that for him this morning and for you as well, who I don't know all the issues. But but really, God has shown us this is the life center. It is a training center. It isn't just a church, because we are the church. Amen? And this is a place where I've noticed that God is really just calling people from all walks of life, from all different denominations to come and take part. So remember that as you invite people. Don't, don't think I can't invite someone to something that's going on at the Life Center because they go to a different church. That's not it at all. We don't want to rob Sunday morning sheep, okay? We want to—there's enough lost people in this region— that we, if we all went out, we could all bring someone new that's never even been to church. We could. Let that be our heart's desire. We, want to, we have a vision to build the kingdom of God here, whether it's sheep from other, other pastures or from a Saturday morning event we do or a Wednesday night fine china, which is coming up, ladies. Or if it's our own that we bring in. That's really a heart to bring them in. So let's do that. And we have a lot of opportunities coming up with our evangelism teaching that we're going to be doing. Some of you had tasted and seen that last year, and it was phenomenal. This year, we're actually going to go out, and we're going to get to do it. And it's going to be powerful and exciting. God's got great things. So pray with me real quick, and I'll get started. Father, I just thank you for this morning, God. I thank you for your word that is truth, God, that it pierces bone and marrow, spirit and soul, as I said, Lord. And it's going to hit directly. And God, I pray that you take it because only you know where it needs to go. And Lord, I just give myself to you. Just come and minister. Teach me something, Lord, as we go through this together. In the power of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 So we looked at uh, Matthew 6, was the big teaching from two weeks ago, and that talked about Jesus in his sermon on the mount, where he talked about giving, he talked about prayer, he talked about forgiveness, he talked about fasting, I recommend you take that scripture and go home and read it this week. You're going to hear some other scriptures today, and I'm going to reference some, but, but I really encourage you to go back to, to Jesus and his big sermon on the mount and really dig into there. Spend the whole year there if you need to, and really start breaking down what he was really teaching his followers, because that's what this was, was. This was his moment to teach his followers, to begin to disciple his disciples. So, but in that, he taught on giving and prayer and forgiveness and fasting. And he made this statement about fasting. He, did, he said, not if, but when. He didn't say, if you fast. He said, when you fast. And in his teaching, in his discipling his disciples, he said, Fasting is something you need to do. It's something you're going to do. It's not about if, but when. I wrote, it's not who, but me. Can you say, but me? It's not when, but now. Can you say, but now? It's not what not to eat, but what. What not to fast, but what to put away. There was one thing I noticed uh, in, that I learned, and I'll just go there right now. One thing I, I noticed in, in my research on fasting for this, this teaching and talking with Pastor Larry, there can often be a focus on what we're not giving, what we're not getting. I'm not eating my ice cream. I'm not eating my dish, and I'm not eating that. There can be such a focus on what we are eating. I've, I've got my celery. I've got my lettuce. I've got that we can be one way or the other. When the word of God literally says what fasting is. Jen, click that one once. The discipline, and I'm going to get to it in a minute and tell you. All of, all of us are called to fast. It's not if, but when. Discipline of fasting breaks us out of our worldly routine. It crucifies our flesh and makes room for God. Next slide, Jen. That's what I want. The fasting is defined. And this was the thing that impacted me, that I learned Strong's Concordance says fasting is a voluntary denial of food. You're stepping up for it. You know, I like to always think of fasting as, as, okay, God, I'm signing up for a little suffering. Come on, I'm here. I'm going to bring it on myself. I'm not going to wait for you to let the circumstances of life bring it on. I'm stepping up and volunteering. It's often been like that. But as you go in fasting, it's almost like you start getting hooked on it. You know, because the energy and the Holy Spirit starts building up so in you that you want more, that you want more. And it becomes this great thing in your life. I can remember doing the three weeks Daniel fast for years in a row. And we'd always say, we get to that 21st day and we'd be like, I'm going another three weeks. You know, and as I said two weeks ago, then three days later, that Snickers bar is yelling your name and you're after it, right? Yeah, but this is the definition, and this is one I learned. Fasting, from the Strongest Concordance, a time set aside to pray with no provision for one's normal food needs. And see, it really got me, because at the head of the year, and I'm not speaking anything against the Daniel fast. I've done it for decades, but, but at the head of the year, I used to get so caught up in getting this fast down in getting my food prepared, in getting my recipes out, in getting myself transitioned into what I can eat, that it got so much on my focus of that and what I needed and what I had to have that it almost, in some ways, I have to be honest, pushed God, yeah, just, you're right here, Lord. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm on it. But, and again, I'm not speaking against the Daniel fast. I'm just saying something I learned. It says, make no provision For one's normal food needs. That means step away from the table. Stop thinking on it. And think on what you're fasting for. You're fasting to be with God. It's a time set apart from everything else. To make room for God. It's an opportunity to crucify this flesh. And let the spirit of self-control rise up. I just heard Jay pray for that. When he was laying hands on me and speaking. Pastor Jay, he said... Let the fruit of the spirit come forth today. I thought, let it be in me, God. Yes, self-control. So that's the Strong's Concordance, and that's just a little piece of nugget of what I've learned in this. The focus in fasting must remain centered on God. We deny ourselves to make room for God. Jen, the next slide: fasting has purpose and benefits. Oh boy. Uh, the purpose and benefits, we gain spiritual strength. I'm, looking, I'm seeing a lot of you nod your heads like you have been fasting. You know in it what it is to do so, and that's a great thing. So we've got some experience going on here in the, in the house. But spiritual strength you will gain from fasting will be a benefit. You'll grow closer to God and protected from the enemy. Ooh, I could have I used to fast the other evening there, right? Should have fasted some wrong thinking. Spiritual hunger, taste and see, and it stimulates. Have you ever had one Oreo and it just stimulates? You know. (laughs) Exactly. You taste and see that it's good and you want more. So it is in the spiritual, not just the natural, but in the spiritual. If you begin to taste the Word of God, and that's something I want you to think. If you're on an exchange program and you're going to put your food away, there's something you can eat that's going to feed your spirit, and that's the Word of God. And that Word of God, it is alive and it is active, and it's going to do something in you that you don't even know that you want done or need done, but yet God's going to do it. God's going to do it. And that's what I love. You can get into this place in the the, uh, spirit realm where you're working with God. You're surrendered and submitted to him. And you're just following his lead. And you learn that place in fasting. You do. Because we're putting aside anything that comes in the natural. There's a decreased need for worldliness. You know, when you start tasting the word and getting hooked... um, You're going to want to go back to that. You're going to start binging the Word. Instead of binging Netflix, you're going to binge the the Word of God. And next thing you know, it's going to be ready on your lips. You're going to be hiding in your heart that you won't sin against God. You're going to be reciting it to your neighbor. You're going to be reciting it over yourself. You're going to be wanting to jump up and pray because you've got the Word bubbling up out of your mouth. Taste it and see it. It's good. We're taking a vacation from the flesh, and it demonstrates love for God. Imagine, God Almighty who created you for nothing more than a relationship with him is waiting for more of your time. He's waiting for more of intimacy with you. Yeah, I love that. So we've talked about different types of fasting. Um, Complete fast, partial fast. And I am recommending your walking away from a meal. That's what I recommended two weeks ago. In the, in the complete fast, you can abstain from all food and drink except water. And that's what Jesus did in a complete fast 40 days in the wilderness um, in Luke 4. He went without everything except water. Your body needs water. And, you, of course, you know there's all kinds. You can do a juice fast as well. But that's complete. Partial fast is a restricted diet. Eliminate foods or skip meals with intentionality. And that's what I'm really advocating here to do. Part of what we're doing is preparing ourselves, preparing our body, preparing our routine, preparing our regimen of life to dig into that 40 days that's coming up starting March 2nd. So two weeks ago after I preached... I went home, and my, my goal, as I told you, was Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I was going to fast lunch, walk away from lunch, and spend time with the Lord. Well, Tuesday morning, I woke up sick. I have what I was told now was COVID. I woke up with a head cold. And I was like, well, golly, God, I'm sick. I, I don't want to fast. Right? Yeah. Like, man, Susan. I'm glad I had to tell you all that, that I was going to fast because it held me to it. And I did it. And it's sick or not, for those next several days, I went ahead and did what I had planned to do. And by Thursday, I felt this, this thing going on inside in my spirit that was just a strengthening that I haven't felt in a long time. I have to be honest with you. When you set yourself to God and away from the things of the, that feed the flesh, there's something he's going to grab a hold of. And I could feel the pull, just like, um, yeah, just pulling me. Closer to him. And it was a glorious, glorious sensation. And that's what I'm talking about is preparing us for that, that 40 days where we're really going to dig in in the, in the months ahead. But right now, it's just the preparation. It's the, the birth pains of what's coming. It's the Braxton Hicks. It's, about, it's the preparation. It's the preparation. So I'm in, 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 encouraging you, take three days during the week or five, but just skip a meal. Find a meal to skip. And let's talk about people in the Bible that skip meals. Moses. Moses um, fasted for 40 days, like Jesus did. He did a complete fast early in, in the Bible. You can read on that. And it was to receive the law. And he went up and he received the Ten Commandments. And he comes down and he's, he's got, he had, he, had a, he had the glory of God all over him. Do you want to walk with the glory of God where people are looking at you, recognizing? It came from fasting. It came from putting, setting himself aside to be with the Lord. David had a fast, uh, he had a young child that was a newborn that was dying. And it says in 2 Samuel 12, he he was on the floor and his servant came in and he was crying out, sackcloth and ashes. He was crying out, fasting and praying to the Lord for this child's life. The servant came in and said, get up and let's eat. And he said no and he refused. And he prayed and he fasted till the child left. The child passed away. And then did he get up, wash his face, eat and was strengthened and went on. But there was a time, there was a purpose in his fast. Esther fasted. Um, in a a time of dire circumstances when execution awaited herself and her people. This was a brilliant woman. She called a community to fast. For three days, a complete fast, no food and no drink, and she didn't fast. Everybody else fasted but Esther. She was in the palace. She was with the king. And it was a dire time, but everyone around her fasted. And this fast brought a victorious breakthrough. There's power in your fasting that's going to come. Let's talk about Jesus. There's three I want to look at today. Jesus, Anna, and the Apostle Paul who did fasting. Jesus in Luke 4, we read about it and I've already referred to it. He's led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. I encourage you, let the Holy Spirit lead your fast. Go to him in prayer. Get his word on it. I'm making the suggestion. I'm giving you all kinds of examples. But I want you to go to Holy Spirit as I have to and let him lead your fast. Because it was the Holy Spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness. It was a 40-day complete fast that Jesus uh, took on there. And when he was hungry, Satan tempted him. If you fasted, you know the roar of a hungry belly. You've been there, and that temptation will come. And Jesus answered that temptation with the word of God. And I was thinking this morning, if if I just fast lunch, what if I just find one scripture and eat it for lunch? What if I memorize one passage of scripture every day of my 40-day fast? Who am I going to be at the end of 40 days? What am I going to be like? I'm going to be a different person. And that's a, that's a pretty minor thing to do. I mean, you can, anybody can skip one meal. Truly, we can. We're not going to die. And you're not going to starve. We talked about that two weeks ago. That's not starvation, skipping a meal. Kids, it's not starvation to skip a meal. It only feels like it, but that's not what it is. Starvation, you got 40 days without eating before starvation truly kicks into your body. So it's not, you're not starving. Don't let the devil tell you that. But Jesus in the wilderness, when he was tempted by the enemy, he, he recited the word of God back to the enemy. He defeated him with truth. So take some truth in. Take some truth in on your fast. Jesus overcame the temptation He was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, it says in Luke 4. So the Spirit led him into his fast, and once in there, and walking in the victory of his fast, he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It sounds to me like he made room in himself for the Spirit. And it wasn't just a filling, it was power. It was power that came, and he rose up from his fast, To begin his public ministry. He went out in the power. And I want you to think about this and and ponder this with the Lord during your fast. Ponder the fact that you have someone to reach. Ponder the fact that God wants to pull back the tent pegs on your life. You don't have to call it ministry. We like to do that. But it's your life that he wants to affect. He wants to work in your heart. Put something in your hands that you might go out. And begin to serve him and release him into a lost and dying world. And he's gonna fill you with what you need. The prophetess Anna, we find her, we read about her, Pastor shared about her during Christmas. I think it was actually the morning after Christmas we were talking about the prophetess Anna. She's found in the story of Luke 2, verse 37. When Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into the temple for his dedication, they were met by the prophetess Anna. Now, Anna, as a young woman, had married, and only seven years into her marriage did her husband die. Now, in that day and time, it was encouraged that a widow would remarry because they would become a burden to the church, to the community. So they told, tried to get women to remarry. Anna chose not to remarry. Anna married God, is what I propose. She, it says she lived in the temple. At this time, when Mary and Joseph came in, she, she was 84 years old. Now, if she married in that culture, she would have been 14, 15, 18 years old. She, so let's say her husband died when she was 25. What is that? 60 years that she had lived in the temple, and it says she fasted and prayed day and night. Day and night, she sacrificed her life, folks, for a promise from God. And in that, she was built up with perseverance. In that, she was built up with hope. And you know what, when, and I just envisioned, I tried to get this in my, in my mind to see what that would have been like, a young woman just setting herself apart for God like that, never leaving the temple. People would come in, and she had a promise and a belief in her heart that the Messiah was coming. She would see the, she would see the Messiah, he was coming, and she had that belief. So when people were coming in, she had nothing better to do but tell them about the Messiah who was coming. And she would be ministering day and night for 60 years as she prayed and as she fasted in the temple. Now, in the practicality of things, Pastor said she probably dusted the windowsills and straightened up the chairs and served there, keeping the place up as people came and went. But I, I dare propose that she also shared what she was believing. And that was that the promised Messiah was coming And because she never gave up, because she allowed fasting to create a perseverance in her, she allowed fasting to create a a patient endurance inside of her, she began to trust God's timing. Have we had a problem with that? She began to trust God's timing. And 60 years came and went as she prayed and fasted day and night, it says, She grew in strength. She grew in courage. She listened to God above everybody else. They were saying, get married, get married, get married. And she said, no, I'm set apart. And there came a day when Mary and Joseph, two very young people, walked in with the baby Jesus. And there, everything she'd waited for came to pass in one moment. In one moment. And it had a lot to do with fasting. It had a lot to do with praying. I love that story. God gave me this phrase, Anna's faith became sight by her prayer and fasting. Anna's faith became sight by her prayer and fasting. The Apostle Paul was another one, and I asked Pastor Larry if he would read the story out of Acts 9, verses 1 to 20. And it is that conversion experience of Saul becoming that Apostle Paul, on the Damascus road.
1: From Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there, blind, for three days, and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. Now, I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God.
0: I just love that story. So Saul, if you read about him in his his resume is in Philippians, I do believe, He's, he re- writes about himself as Saul, a Pharisee of Pharisee, a Jew above all Jews, of Roman descent, opposed the Christ, and gave approval to those who were killing the believers of the way. But he had an encounter. On I love it. The Damascus. Do you get it? The Damascus. The Damascus road where his, his blindness was taken from him, his spiritual blindness. Because he was to see. God had an appointment with him to see the way, the truth, and the life. Saul's vision of the Christ came to him through fasting. It did. Saul didn't set out to fast. He didn't prepare his Daniel fast. He, he, he got... Met by a living God, right on the road, walking along his way. And God went on to send, as he was taken down in blindness, God called upon Ananias, as you heard him say it in verse 17. It says, Ananias, listen to these principles of God. Ananias laid hands on Saul. Remember, you have the power of the Holy Spirit alive in you that you can lay hands on one. And see them recover. Ananias laid hands on Saul. There's a reason to fast, isn't it? There's a reason to set aside some time so we can gain that same power that filled Jesus up for his earthly ministry, right? That we could receive that same power that Saul received. Listen, he, went, he was healed of his blindness, physical and spiritual. Saul was filled with the Holy Ghost. Saul got up, was baptized. That means he walked in obedience. He got up because he believed, he walked in obedience and was baptized. He ate, regained his strength, and he began to preach Jesus. And you know what Papa God did? He, changed, he gave him a new name. He said, you're no longer be going to be known as Saul, the Pharisee of Pharisees, the Jew above all Jews, the Ro- of Roman descent. You're no longer, no, I'm giving you a new name. Sometimes we have to give ourselves a new and true name, child of God. Is that not what we sang this morning? Sometimes we got to stand up. And if if this ding-dong had stood up the other night when the devil was lying to me and I was listening, if I'd have stood up and said, no, 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 I am a child of God and I am not rejected, I am accepted in that first minute like I had done those 17 days before, the number might be increasing, sorry. It seemed like a long time. But if I had done that, I know how to war, folks. But we can get caught up, tripped up so quickly, so quickly, all of us. We need to walk in the spiritual disciplines of God. Solitude. With God, time away is a spiritual discipline. Prayer and fasting, they're spiritual disciplines. Worship is a spiritual discipline. Coming together in in worship, in service, in fellowship is a spiritual discipline. These are the things that feed us. These are the things that strengthen us. That when that moment of temptation comes, and it's promised it's going to come. The devil is a liar. Your flesh is still with you, and the world is calling your name. It's going to come. But God is greater. And I love it. God gave him a new name, and he has a new name for us. We go from lost to found, from blind to seeing, from sinner to saint, from orphan to child from orphan to child. Don't limit what God wants to do during your time of fasting because fasting prepares you for a new anointing. It prepares you for a new anointing. Anybody ready for a new anointing? Amen. Amen. Come on, I'll receive it. The next one, fasting will assist you in building muscle in your resolve to be holy as Christ is holy. We don't hear much about holiness. We don't talk much about holiness, but God says, "Be holy as I am holy." God's life is set apart in holiness. We need to begin to get into the Word and really figure out what He means by that. What what does it look like God to walk in holiness? Because that's the life God wants us to pursue. He doesn't say, "Here, I'm going to anoint you that you have strength in your flesh to do a thing." That's not how it goes. We die in obedience, and we let his spirit come to life in us. That's how we do a thing. It's his life in us. I read a book, uh, Reese Howes, The Intercessor. And I want to share a couple of stories out of the book, because he was someone that fasted, but he was an intercessor. He was someone that prayed. And if you want to read two books I've read in the last six months, two of the many, um, one was Reese Howe's Intercessor, which I'd never heard of this book before. Um, and the other one was Compelled by Love by Heidi Baker. Both these books, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, like you don't taste anywhere else. I, I highly recommend them. If you want some conviction, and we should all love the spirit of conviction. You know, the spirit of conviction is, comes from the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that comes to give us power that we love, the same spirit that comes to give us comfort, that guides us and teaches us, also convicts us. There's a purpose in conviction coming from the Holy Spirit, so we should love and embrace that spirit, that part of Holy Spirit, just as we do all the other glorious things that come in his persona, amen? So I highly recommend you get this one and have a read at it sometime this year. So Rhys Howe was a man that was saved during the Welsh Revival in 1904, 1934, 04, and 05 uh, in Wales. And he was a man not just of prayer, and we think of prayer as conversing with God, but he was a man of intercession. And there's a different level of intimacy in intercession. If you're someone that, that prays, you don't always necessarily see the results of your prayer. But if you are an intercessor... You were a person dedicated to warring through till you see the breakthrough. Till you see the thing come. Mama, you know all about it. You've done it for decades, right? The intercessor prays through till they see the victory manifest. And that's who Reese Howes was. He was the the intercessor. Um, Moses was an intercessor. David and Elijah, they were intercessors. They fasted and they prayed and they saw a thing manifest. Um, Howes... Early in his conversion experience through the Welsh Revival, he had a five-day encounter with the Holy Spirit. And he said it was in that time where he resigned himself, all of himself, to God to receive God's divine nature. And he, and he brought forth Second Peter, the scripture, um, chapter 1, 3 and 4, that says, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. If you've been with us for a while, you'll remember pastor preaching that last year. Some of, the, some of your early sermons were out with Second Peter, that scripture. His, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness so that we may, and here it is, participate in his divine nature. You see, it isn't, it isn't our nature, our flesh continuing, and God just puts a little dose of something on it. It's our flesh dying completely and God's life filling us up to begin to take over. It's how we participate participate in his divine nature. And what does it do? There's a benefit in it. We get to escape the corruption of this world when his divine nature, we're participating in it. And that's 2 Peter 1, verse 3 and 4. House believed that from this time forward, that his past life was dead, and from that moment on, that time of decision, that five-day encounter with the Holy Spirit, where God came in and took control, he said, "My past life is dead, and I am truly a new man in Jesus Christ." And you know, sometimes that's a scripture we just recite, and we say it so f- like it means nothing. But it's truly the basis of everything. It is. I have walked, and I could only use my examples that because I know them best. I wear them like a tattoo sometime on my heart. But I've walked through things that have transformed me. And if he hadn't been everything, the basis, what was underneath my feet, the rock, the solid rock I was, if he hadn't been that, I don't think I'd still be standing. don't think i'd still be standing but here i am today and it's glorious his presence is still with me it's gone before me it's leading me and he wants to do that for each of us it's just not this old gal it's for each of us and we get to share that good news with anyone that'll listen And I hope this year this house gets on fire to share the good news of Jesus Christ with whomsoever will indeed listen. Because there's some souls out there that need saving. Amen? Amen. And God makes it possible. Well, the Holy Spirit told Reese Howes, If I come in, I come in as God, and all of Reese Howes must go. And Howes' response to God was, He had only come to take part... To take what I had already promised the Savior. You see, Reese Howes knew. He said, you gave your son for me. I'll give my life that you might live in me. And since Christ died for Howes, Howes died for God. And this was the new life that belonged to Reese Howes. And he married in 1910. So what saved five, six years. He married a young girl. Uh, who was a believer as well, sold-out believer, much like Reese Howes himself. She was a woman of prayer and fasting. And shortly after their union, they had a child, a newborn, and they named him Samuel. You see, Reese Howes' wife's name was Elizabeth Hannah. And Hannah was the story in the Bible of Hannah and Samuel in the book of Samuel They named their young son Samuel, and it had divine meaning that they weren't aware of. But shortly after Samuel was born, they were called into the mission field in South Africa. God had called them to this work. And they said, if you go, God told them, if you go, you will see souls saved. So Reese Howes and his wife, Elizabeth Hannah, decided that they would go, but there was one condition. They couldn't take their newborn son with them on the mission field. They would have to give up their newborn son, Samuel, to another family in their community to raise him. They were leaving. And, you know, that's not even heard of today. Usually people just pack it all up, you know, and away we go. You put it in one of those big boxes and it gets shipped on a ship over there and you take everything but the kitchen sink with you and you call it a mission your mission. But they left their baby. They gave up their baby. And in that moment, if you read, it's such a powerful time of, of the presence of God in the book. When, when Hannah released the baby Samuel to the couple God had chosen to raise their child. It says she walked away and shut the door as they left. And she walked to the back of the house and went into the garden To find the consolation of God. She went to the quiet place. That she'd probably been many mornings with God. To find his consoling spirit. And he said to her. As she wept and cried and thought. There's no way. I cannot do this. I've I've done it but I cannot go through with it. And he said to her. The Holy Spirit spoke and said. Measure it with Calvary. Measure it with calvary i'm not asking you hannah to do anything that i myself haven't done measure it with calvary and as she let those words become her consolation as she let her heart be held by god's hands in those words the healing started to come to her and she started to remember her hope in her joy and her heart for souls And immediately the Lord said to her, because you've chosen the right thing, I will give you 10,000 souls in South Africa. 10,000. And she and her husband went to South Africa for mission work for 20 years, and indeed they saw 10,000 come to Christ and after that 20 years, they came back to Wales only to be reunited with their now young adult son, Samuel, who, guess what he was doing? He was ministering the Word of God because he was raised in the right home that he was supposed to be raised in. And they joined together, and he has continued their ministry to this day. God's not going to ask us to do anything. Prayer. Prayer. Fasting, mission—that he's not going to empower us, and refresh us, and fill us for. It's radical stuff. I love it. Reese Howes, would—he re- was a faster, and he was an intercessor. With his intercession came fasting. Um, let me cut to the quick here with it. Reese Howes was called after this when he was reunited with his son Samuel. He and he took his son with him. And uh, he was called to develop a Bible college in Swansea, which is in, in that Wales area. And he, over the, uh, the period of years following this return to, the, to his homeland, um, he developed numerous different Bible colleges. But with each one, it got bigger and more beautiful. But God said something specific. I don't ever want you to go out and ask for money. I don't want you to earn the money for these bible colleges. I want you to ask me for it. I want you to pray. So intercessor he was indeed. Says he would daily skip at least one meal if not two and give all that time in prayer to God. Because he said he had to get the heart on God for what and how it was going to come. He had to get God's heart and God's vision on how God was going to make the thing come to pass that he was telling him he was going to have. And he gave God the time, and he gave God his attention. And it, it was probably about the third Bible college. And I want you to picture like Bedford Springs. Have you been over there? How gorgeous it is, and it's rolling hills, and they got it. That's what, it, that's what they described it, at this beautiful, beautiful old building where they would house the, 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 the people that would come to the Bible college. And then he would take them all and train them in intercession. I mean, they were learning the Word of God, and they had teachers set up, but he was training them all in fasting and in praying in intercession because this was the call in his life. He knew that it was, and he set himself aside for the call that God had on his life. You know, if you don't know the call that God has for your life, fasting is a great way to set yourself apart from the world and make room for God to begin to talk to you. Some of us have old callings. Some of us have have callings that God made on our life 20 or 30 years ago. And we're still thinking that's it. You may need to check with God. Has that been aborted? Does he have a new mission? You might want to ask him, take this time in this this time of fasting that we're going to enter into and seek God for the ask God questions. I think one of the hardest things I've had in relationship with God is coming up with the right questions. What do I need to ask you, God? He knows how dumb she is, you know, naive. He knows and he'll, uh, God, I don't know what to ask. And he'll tell me what to ask. He will tell me. There's not one thing that He won't give if we ask Him. Ask Him what the vision is for your life. Ask Him what the ministry is. Ask Him to renew it. Ask Him to fill you for it. Ask Him. He's got answers for you. And Reese Howe, on that, I think it was the third Bible college, and it must have been one of the most glamorous. There was. Probably six or eight different buildings set out through it. And it was the countryside. And it was along the water. I'm just remembering the vision from reading it in my head how beautiful it was. And some men with, with, with great authority and wealth came. And they said, my heavens, how he must have campaigned for the money to buy this. And Hannah looked at the man and said, you have no idea what my husband sacrificed. And he said, oh, really? What was that? My husband prayed 12 hours a day for 11 months just to get God's vision on this third campus we have. 12 hours a day for 11 months just to get God's vision on it. Like, that just, I told you, conviction. Get the book, read it for yourself. Good stuff. It all came down to prayer and fasting. This life, you don't know what God might do with your life through a little prayer and fasting. He wants to transform each one of us. Yeah, into his image, but there's something more. He wants to use you to build his kingdom. He wants to use you to lead your best friend to Jesus. He wants to use you to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the earth. Now's the time, folks. Now's the time. And I just thought this morning, it's kind of silly. I'm preaching on fasting, and we're going to have lunch. Uh, That's a little bit crazy, but that's how we do sometimes. But honestly, our time today of fellowship is so needed. When this house gets separated, it gets sad. We've had a, one more, one of our families has been out with sickness for five weeks now, five weeks because there's five or six of them and they've been out and it's it's the texting isn't the same than a hug, you know. When you don't get to see Misty's face, it makes a difference, you know. And it's yeah. So we had that uh, for fellowship today. So I'm glad you're all here and a part of it. But I do ask you. Take time now to prepare because March 2nd, which is uh, coming up soon, through April 17th is our 40 days of church corporate fasting. And you need to decide and let God show you how that's going to be. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in your fast. But begin now to prepare. Take Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Take one day this week. Skip a meal. Begin to set aside. And I tell you what, it doesn't take but a moment to taste and see, oh, Lord, this is one of the best times because it's just you and him. It's just you and him. And he has so many great things to guide us into in life, to deliver us up out of in life. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for today, God. I thank you for everything you did in the house. I thank you for the healings that have taken place, God. I have no doubt there's healing manifesting from this very morning, Lord. I've been believing it. I've seen it. We came in, God. I saw new attitudes this morning, God. I've seen people delivered this morning, God. I've seen people rebirth with hope. I've seen people refreshed with vision, Lord. There's so much that you're doing, God. There's not one of us that you don't want to touch, God, from the oldest to the youngest, God, each one you want to touch, each one you want to work in their lives, God, and Lord, I just ask you, God, to get us excited about fasting, to get us excited, God, let us just get excited to see our flesh crucified God to see our our own wills laid down that your will might rise up inside of our lives and take us forward and carry us into the unknown God that only you know the mysteries of the kingdom of God Lord let us run into them with hope and excitement and expectation God because when we do we become a contagion and people want to be around us people want to know what we carry So, Lord, let this be the year that people start running after us, asking, What do you have? What is it? Let this be the year that we're set on fire like never before. For your glory, God, for the growth of your kingdom, and for our good. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen. 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 Thank you for listening. Sharing Life Ministries is located at the Life Center. 48 West 2nd Avenue, Ridgeley, West Virginia, or follow us on Facebook.